Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last podcast, we were discussing hell. And you said something to me that's kind of just been sitting inside my mind, which was we don't really have the capability of recognizing how evil we can be. And that's something I had really, like I said, since editing that episode and in between there and recording it for the day that I've been thinking of, you know, the part of the effort of society and life in general is to grow up and do things well, um, spiritually, you know, emotionally, uh, basically maturity in a nutshell. And in general, as you become more mature, you tend to do less bad. You know, you're not bullying the kids, you know, like, like 10 year olds act basically. And, That thought was going along, and then in our last Mass over the weekend is the teaching that Jesus gave is to love your enemies and basically to be better than the old rules are, to step up and to do good. And it it led me to think that earlier within this week, I actually have done something I've done for a number of years now, which is giving blood. And I think that that's an example that kind of can carry through with what Jesus was trying to teach and, and kind of all these cross thoughts I was having here, which is to do well for a true win-win sometimes takes a little bit of pain or discomfort up front, but can lead to great benefits later on. So in the example of giving blood, it's pretty direct. You're getting literally stabbed with a needle. Um, But the benefit is up to three people's lives are going to be saved from you giving the time. So those are the thoughts that were going through my head as we enter in today's conversation. And I just wanted to let that be the the starting point from where we go. Well, I'm not sure uh, how to put all three of those things together, but uh, I think we can take a a stab at it. No pun intended. Uh, One thing that you said in terms of giving blood that just occurred to me, Jesus uses the image of being like our father who, who is in heaven, who lets the sun shine on the just and the unjust, who lets the rain fall on the, the just and the unjust, and to love as God loves, which is everyone, uh, even our enemies, even to pray for those who persecute us. And that challenge to a kind of universal love, I think does go along with the comment of recognizing how bad we can be. It's easy to demonize people and say that person is just so horrible. Um, I can't remember if I had included this in the last podcast, but uh, two weeks ago, I went to the New York Encounter and there was a talk by a prison chaplain for death row, the San Quentin death row, where 720 men are waiting execution. It's the largest death row in the world. And he was talking about these men who are men like you and me. And it's easy to make them some kind of strange species because they've done horrible things. And he said they were uh, not all 720, I suppose, but certainly there are exemplary men who have found a real conversion, who are truly remorseful for what they have done. They recognize the evil that they've committed, and they feel that they deserve execution because of what they've done. They're real men, 
And so there's something that's not so distant from our experience. And that's part of the point I was making on the last podcast is we need to know our own capacity to do evil. If we had been raised in a little different circumstances, if we had a little different opportunity, if we were attacked and hurt in a little different ways, if, you know, it's, we, the reason that we haven't committed horrendous crimes is often has something to do with things that we're, we have no control over. <laughs> and so having a kind of self-righteousness to say, well, I'd never do that. You know, I could, well, maybe if there are some variables that you don't have any control over that were different, maybe you wouldn't be so far from that. And that's that self-reflection of the kind of evil that I could do, maybe even recognizing, you know, it's just uh, you're sitting there at the register and you realize just how easy it would be to, to palm a stack of $100 bills and or you're, you're fixing the books and it would be so easy to slip something out or anyway, it doesn't take too much imagination to think of ways that we could do some pretty bad things. But when we, and, and that's not an invitation to do bad things or to justify it, you know, we, uh, we do have the capacity, God gives us the capacity not to sin. He really does give us enough grace that we don't fall into any deliberate sin. He, he does that. So, uh, but, but as we strive for virtue, it's not an invitation to look with judgment on people who are doing bad things, but rather to look with compassion, to look with prayer. As Jesus says, pray for those, even if they persecute you, uh, pray, love your enemies, that we can do that because we're not so different from them. We're made of the same human cloth. We're made of the same human nature, fallen human nature. And when we start to take responsibility for their sin, even in ways like I'm saying, what societal things could I do differently? What impact could I make on our world? What environment could I create that would better facilitate people doing good? And that's a that's a, a reflection we can take up. And, and to think about the gift of uh, blood that you offered, Joe, and a lot of people give blood, you know, you don't have any control over who that blood goes to. And I was thinking that's kind of like if you really are are aware of what you're doing and whose life you might be saving, you know, we can make it the worst possible scenario, right? You could end up saving the life of someone who did terrible damage to your own family or something, right? Or who, who burned down one of your houses and got injured in the process, is rushed to the hospital, and then is saved because of your gift of blood. That's kind of amazing to think about. It, and hopefully I didn't just dissuade people from giving blood, but uh, there really is a generosity, a kind of universal and undetermined generosity uh, when we do those kinds of uh, of activities and and donating money and and some of the other things that we do that that just go into a general pool that we're not in charge of where it all ends up, but we do it because it's a good thing to do, and uh, it's an expression of our love, not dependent on on who the the, the recipient is. And that's like the sun shining and the rain falling, like our Heavenly Father gives good gifts to all of his children without discrimination. And that's a, that's a great model and a great challenge for us. Yeah, it was actually, as you said that, that it kind of hit me that, yeah, I, I have never met any of these people nor under any realistic circumstances ever could. Um, you know, the, the, they tell you the number of how many people you've helped so far and and on a certain level, I think that that's in my ways reflective of how it can become 
uh, almost a statistic. Like I, I know that I'm above now 68 people I've helped and which is awesome. I mean, you know, on the one hand it's tremendous, but it's, it's becomes almost too much to be able to truly comprehend as you were just saying with your prior example there, that it becomes almost abstract that, okay, you're, you're sitting on death row, but we forget that you're a person and that, that you're a living thing. And I think that that's sometimes just the way the mind treats numbers sometimes to, to treat them a little bit differently. So I wanted to keep going along this theme of, you know, we can do so many things well, but it just takes some effort to, to start. And oftentimes that effort can sometimes cause a little self-reflection, a little bit of, of pain to get going. Um, another example I've always thought of that I may have used before is, you know, the first day of training for a sport is never a happy day ever. It's not normally a happy next day either, but it's necessary. And then you wake up a couple months later and your team is so much better off because now as a unit, you have more endurance, you're faster, you know, you can hit harder depending upon what your sport is. And it's just, you're better off. And in a society that we have around us that essentially is catering to our comforts in virtually every way it can. Um, you know, we live in a world where the temperature can be tuned in within the 10th of degree of what you want it to be. Um, you know, we have essentially a phone that can give us any piece of information we want in a second. Um, the, the barriers that used to just be getting up and sweating a little bit used to be easy, but now because we have so much comforts around us, it now seems almost insurmountable something that a generation before us would look at us like we're insane and in a sense even needing to have this conversation is crazy but i wanted to you know talk about that i mean that that's a real problem that for better or worse is here and how to overcome that and and just how to move forward i mean it's not necessarily a faith question per se but as our faith is practical it is a very practical question that's something where I draw a little bit of insight from. Well, certainly the gospel. You know, I mean, the principle that you're drawing out is is the challenge of Jesus. No one can be my disciple unless you take up your cross and follow me. And as they say, uh, no pain, no gain, no guts, no glory, no cross, no crown. You know, we have to invest something in order to get something out. That's a simple principle. Uh, I take some further insight from uh, Jordan Peterson. I've mentioned him before, and I, I really appreciate it. He always approaches these things from a little different perspective, and so I find it uh, wonderfully disarming, and I get to hear it again. But he talks about the connection between responsibility and meaning. When we take responsibility, and that's ultimately what drives the kinds of sacrifices that you're drawing our attention to, Joe, whether we give blood, we take responsibility for our brothers and sisters, that we have something to offer and they matter to us, that we're not just uh, out to protect our own. We have a more general responsibility for the, the welfare of the human race and people that can could benefit from something we offer. Or whether we take responsibility on the sports team, that, that I say, I'm going to be a real contributing member of this sports team. I'm going to be a player that does my part. And then I take responsibility. I'm really engaged. I'm committed. And that responsibility, when the purpose, when the meaning is great enough, has the power to, to carry us through a lot of suffering. 
And so uh, Jordan Peterson counsels very simply, take responsibility. Start with something that you can uh, actually get your hands around, something manageable. So don't take responsibility for world hunger to start with. You know, Take responsibility for cleaning your room is the example he always gives. Can you just take responsibility for your room? Okay, take responsibility for your sports team. Take responsibility for those who can benefit from uh, the blood that you give. Take responsibility at your workplace. Take responsibility in your, in your own family, in your own household, for your own children. When we can take responsibility for things, that gives us meaning and purpose. And then if there's a cost, we're willing to pay the cost because the purpose matters, the meaning matters, the end result matters. And that ultimately moves us in a positive way through life. Because the fact is, even with all of our thermostats that can be calculated to a tenth of a degree, and even with all of our room control and everything else, we're not going to avoid suffering. Suffering is a necessary and unavoidable part of human life, period, end of story. And if we spend all of our time avoiding suffering, then we will also end up having a life without any meaning. And ultimately, the suffering will come because we're all going to die, and that death is not going to be painless. And uh, what's going to carry us through the, the difficult moments, whether it's the thermostat breaking and we actually have to endure a couple of hot days or cold days, or whether it's uh, a dip in the stock market that puts a crimp in our spending patterns, or whether it's losing our job, or whether it's a loved one contracting some illness, or or whatever it is, whatever suffering comes, it's the responsibility we've taken, the meaning that we have discovered, the purpose for which we are living, that's going to carry us through that. And of course, the great purpose, which is the centerpiece of our podcast to bring it back to our Christian faith, is really doing this for God. He's worth it. And what's the challenge that he gives? What does it mean to take responsibility for our faith, for our relationship with God? Well, we live out his commandments. And what does he tell us? And you referenced last Sunday's gospel, which is love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Don't just love those who love you or repay those who have who have paid you, but pay it forward and love those who haven't loved you and forgive and turn the other cheek and go the extra mile and give your cloak as well. And uh, we can make these sacrifices because we've chosen to make a commitment to God and we've taken responsibility for his mission, which is the salvation of everyone. And, and that has a way of pushing us through every difficulty. There is no sacrifice that is too great because he gave the example of the sacrifice of the cross. None of us have suffered that much. In fact, as St. Peter says, most of us have not even suffered to the point of shedding blood, let alone dying on the cross. And so that, that ultimate meaning is what moves us forward in, in the sacrifices, troubles, difficulties that we inevitably face in life. And part of the results from this, and again, obviously, as you just said, um, very few of us have even given blood, let alone died for our faith. But we can even see in the small you know, victories from, from putting out some sacrifice to overcome something is there's two, two results that inevitably happen is first is there's always some type of personal reward. Uh, you know, doing good makes you feel good just the way it is and overcoming something makes you feel good. 
And then the other part of the reward is, is that once you've overcome being able to accomplish task A, the bigger task B isn't as hard. And you can move forward in life in generally in a way with a lot more peace. And I think that an example that we might be able to see in some people around us is someone who has overcome an incredibly traumatic illness, um, like a cancer survivor, for example, that it seems that, at least from the people I've met who have gone through it, that the small stuff that can really cause anxious in our day-to-day lives, you know, not having the, the phone buzz or getting the kind of likes you want on your tweets or something, just how that doesn't affect people who've gone through something real. And going through something real, as you've just said, is suffering, um, is, is how we sometimes present itself, is necessary to be able to grow and to guide us. So, again, I thank you for, for, for having this conversation with me because, like I said, it was just something from what you said last week to be recognized, yeah, we can do some things bad, but we can recognize that we can do so much things good as long as we're willing to take the first steps to acknowledge, yeah, it's not always going to be easy, but it's going to be worth in the end and something to, to you know, ascertain and to try. So I want to give you the last words on the topic here, Father, as we move forward into next week. Well, and you brought up some examples, Joe, of what some people have taken as meaning in their lives, which is, you know, getting likes on Twitter or uh, having friends on Facebook or something. Although I, I think more and more of that is fading away. I was just asking some uh, high school students, I think, maybe college students, do you use Twitter? And they're like, no. Facebook? No. Uh, Instagram? No, not much. <laughs> it's like, all righty, the world has moved on. But uh, that's that's part of the point is that some of these things that people are finding meaning in have a really transient existence. And so they can have a certain value. Uh, like Jordan Peterson said, you know, cleaning your room can have a certain value. When you take responsibility for the mess that you live in and you say, I'm just going to bring a little order into this bit of chaos, which is under my control. And you do that. And you get some energy to do more of that and take responsibility for a little bit more and you build where you can. So maybe just uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, maybe that's a starting point that pushes people through. But there aren't too many people that are going to uh, endure cancer or make major sacrifices because of Twitter and Facebook. It just doesn't have a sufficient meaning to carry the kind of uh, suffering that inevitably comes to us in life. And on the other hand, when people survive cancer, it's because they have a meaning. You know, it's not just because uh, whatever, they they're, uh, have a strong upper lip or something like that. And they, you know, you got to have energy to make it through. And this is, was the obser- observation of uh, Viktor Frankl, his beautiful book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was in a uh, concentration camp and he made the observation that people died before they died. He saw people give up and then death came inevitably soon after that. Uh, different reasons that they died in the end, but the first thing that really made it happen was that they gave up and people needed a reason to live. That was his observation and that generated his approach to psychology called logotherapy. Logos is a reason and the therapy of helping people to find a reason he called logotherapy and found that that's ultimately, although, you know, it can be helpful to do the Freudian approach of deep psychology and dig up 
all of the wounds of the past and the way that particular habits and behaviors got set and things that I really appreciate and I go into with people in spiritual direction at times. Uh, how was their relationship with their parents and when did they start thinking in these ways and how did this psychological pain start to begin and when did this pattern in prayer start to happen? Things like that are valuable, but uh, Victor Frankl's approach was basically if you give people a reason to live, they'll kind of work through that stuff but you got to give him a reason or help them to find a reason more particularly. For himself, he had already begun to develop this logotherapy before he put, ended up in the concentration camp. And he really felt that God had entrusted him with something uniquely and that he was the only one who, because God had entrusted it to him, he was the one who was supposed to carry it into the world. And it, keep giving, give, it kept giving him a reason to endure the suffering, to endure the abuse, to, to endure the treatment of the Nazi guards, to endure the death of people around him. He felt he had a mission on this earth that was worth living for. And that's powerful. That's a really powerful motivation to keep us going through a lot of great difficulties in life. And again, a, a person who survived cancer has found a reason to live through cancer, has found a reason to endure the suffering. And that reason is probably going to help them endure a lot of other things as well. And that's why we find that kind of strength of character in somebody who has survived something extremely difficult because they had a reason to make it. Again, I would propose that Christ is always the ultimate reason. And as we come to develop a relationship with him, there's a real practical consequence to that, that we can live through some tremendously hard things because of that relationship with the Lord. And of course, we develop that through relationships with other human beings. And it's beautiful to see the ways that husbands and wives have sacrificed and come through great difficulties because of each other or parents for children or a whole variety of other relationships as well. Having a reason to live is is so critical. Absolutely. And um, and thank you for ending on that note. I, I don't think we could have done anything better than that. So uh, thank you for everyone being with us here this week. We'll certainly be with you again next week. 